The Tom Woods Show, episode 1174. Prepare to set fire to the index card of allowable opinion. Your daily dose of liberty education starts here. The Tom Woods Show. Folks, Harry's razors give you a close, comfortable shave without breaking the bank. And Harry's wants to give you their trial set, valued at $13. Grab it at harrys.com slash woods. That's harrys.com slash woods. Hi, everybody. Tom Woods here. I realize I'm a day behind. It took me longer than I thought to get through that Supreme Court case. So that just threw everything off. So my apologies there. But I'm still going to have the regular episodes you would expect. Five episodes this week. So I'm going to probably release one over the weekend and then we'll be just where we need to be right on schedule in case anybody was worried, even though I gave you the equivalent of two episodes yesterday. Man, I I deserve a big fat check for going through that Supreme Court case, all 59 pages of it. Good grief. Well, anyway, today we're talking to Cameron English. He is part of a project called Deniers for Hire, which is a site dedicated to exploring and neutralizing anti-science activists. That's how they describe it. Deniersforhire.com is the website, and they say the goal of the project is to expose progressive political groups, journalists, and academics who demonize scientists to advance their policy agenda. And so we've In case you're wondering what that means, you've seen that happen whenever a scientist is dismissed on the grounds that that person must be a shill of such and such industry or corporation, and therefore we don't need to listen to anything that person says. That kind of behavior, that's what deniersforhire.com is looking to counter. Please note also that Cameron hosts the Cameron Talks Science podcast, which you can find at his website, CameronJEnglish.net. Cameron, welcome. Hey, Tom. Thank you for having me. Tell me about DeniersForHire.com. Yeah, certainly. So it's a project that I've been working on with the American Council on Science and Health for about a year now. And essentially what we're doing is we're going after environmentalist groups that are attacking scientists in agriculture and biotechnology. Typically, these groups are very anti-GMO, they're, they're anti-innovation really in agriculture, but they can't win the debate on scientific grounds. And so they attack these people's reputations, they say that they're corporate shills, uh, they're experts who have been bought off, so on and so forth. And so if you're an academic, you know you have to deal with the fallout of an attack like this. And so we're coming alongside these people and defending them against these unjustified attacks and... Um, trying to give the public a good resource. So when they read this in the New York Times or what have you, uh, there's a there's an effective counter to it. Well, let me just be devil's advocate for a minute. Is there ever a case where you're dealing with an academic whose work is funded by the industry that would benefit from the findings? Well, here's the dirty secret in agriculture and, and even in really any applied field of science. Um, if, if you're an academic in one of these fields, you have to work with industry. Typically, that's how the granting programs work. So say like the National Science Foundation or or whatever, they'll put up 50 cents on the dollar, but then they expect you to go get a project that involves industry to put up the other half of the funding. And that is essentially how you how you make your name in, in a field like this. And so when these groups cry about industry corruption and so forth, they don't even understand how the process works. I mean, the the the, the schools, the the government is is really trying to push people into that practice. So it's really not scandalous in any way. So it's not 
an attempt to say this particular scientist is saying things that are not true and that are widely understood to be not true and is simply simply needs to be disregarded for that reason. It's rather, it doesn't really matter what this person is saying. This person is a shill for industry. So that's the level of the conversation that they want to have? That's the level. And and just for clarification, so everybody understands, the, the vast majority of scientists think this technology, biotechnology, genetic engineering is, is perfectly safe. Um, and, and it doesn't matter that they're public researchers or private research. I mean, just the, the number of experts uh, from all over the world, all different political persuasions, they all say that this is safe. And so you have a handful of groups who are funded by the organic food companies, ironically enough, because they're crying about industry, industry corruption. Um, and they're going to Congress and they're lobbying for really restrictive policies. And we can get into that later. Um, but but yeah, I mean, that's that's really the problem that we're dealing with. Now, I have got, no doubt, many people who listen in who are going to disagree with you on this particular point, on the merits of some of these things, and, and uh, whether it's GMOs or whatever else. And in fact, I think all the way back on episode, who knows, I, I think it was even before number 200, if I remember correctly, yeah, I had Joel Salatin on, and he was pretty down on this stuff. I asked Mark Sisson who's in the uh, paleo-slash-primal community and is a major voice over there, and he's very much in favor of so-called clean eating. But I asked him about this question, and he said, you know, I don't think anybody really knows. He said, I, I, I don't have a firm opinion on it one way or the other. So I guess I've got people on all different sides of this. Is there a way that you can speak to all those people? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Well, let me, let me say I have great respect for both of those guys, and um, I lost a lot of weight on a low carb diet. And so I'm a big fan of, of Mark Sisson's work. That being said, um, I, I trust experts when it comes to different topics, right? So when I want to know about American history, I read one of your books or listen to your show because you're a historian. And and the same rule applies here. I'm, I want to know from the people who are actually in the laboratory or out in, in the farm, literally studying this stuff. And, and I think we need to keep that in mind. It's it's really easy to let your biases get the best of you, and we're all guilty of it. Um, and, and one other thing I'd say is I don't fault people that like to eat organic food or they live a certain way. I'm a libertarian just like the rest of your audience, and I have great respect for individual choice. And so if you want to do those things, that's fine. My biggest concern, and, and the American Council on Science and Health, their biggest concern is making sure that people understand the, the science. That's the biggest concern, really. So give me an example of the kind of thing that – your Deniers for Hire project is trying to counter. Now, you've told me in particular about a group called U.S. Right to Know. Mm -hmm. Well, that sounds benign enough. What is it that they're doing that you think is interfering with uh, the normal functioning of academic research? Yeah, sure. Well, it, just by the way, I mean, they always sound benign, right? Like Greenpeace. Oh, what a lovely sounding organization, you know. But you know just as well as I do that they're into some eh, questionable, questionable things. But anyways... Um, this group, U.S. Right to Know, they've really made a mark by filing Freedom of Information Act requests with public universities to get the emails of these scientists that that we're talking about. And uh, there's one particular example that that really got everything going, and it's, uh, it involves Dr. Kevin Folt. He's a plant biologist at the University of Florida. And in 2015, U.S. Right to Know filed a FOIA request with the university. So Kevin turned over something like 40,000 pages of his emails. And this group rifled through them, tried to find any link to Monsanto. And again, as we said earlier, it's very common for 
researchers to work with private companies. So they found all the scandalous details they wanted, and they handed them off to Eric Lipton at the New York Times. And uh, Lipton calls up Kevin Fulton, and he says, hey, this, this watchdog group gave me your emails. There's some stuff in here I'm not really sure about what's going on. And so Kevin tried to explain the situation and give it context, just like I did, did with you. Um, and then at least he got to give his say, right? So when the article comes out, maybe it'll be fair and balanced. But we're talking about the New York Times, so that didn't happen. Um, and the article is on online. If you just Google Eric Lipton GMOs, you'll find the article I'm talking about. And so Lipton painted this picture of an industry that has totally corrupted agriculture. All these experts have been bought off and they're they're lying about the dangers of GMOs. And nothing could be further from the truth. And the article was so bad that, that Fulta is now suing Lipton and the New York Times uh, for, for attacking him. Uh, and so what we're doing with us, excuse me, with deniers for hire is documenting all of the mistakes. So we have an article on Eric Lipton up there, taking apart his article, showing you where, uh, all the, the scientific errors, the contradictions and so forth. Um, and, and I just p- put yourself in, in one of these people's shoes. It's really, it's just not acceptable. The idea then is that these groups are going to claim that these individual scientists are guilty of some kind of scientific malpractice because they're operating in the service of some industry. But it looks like they themselves, in their own practice of science, are guilty of exactly what they're accusing others of, but to the nth degree. So talk about that. Yeah, certainly. So there's a couple of points that are important to mention here. So uh, like we were just talking about, Eric Lipton made all these insinuations about these companies paying for science. Um, But what we've been doing in in the science community is we've been uh, filing counter FOIA requests on these groups. And when you read their emails, you find that they are actually doing the things that they're criticizing people for. And so they are paying other academics, the guys on the on the fringe, you know, I mean, they're qualified, but they are way outside the mainstream. They're paying them to publish studies in really low quality journals, which these groups can then promote on social media and they can get their friends uh, at different newspapers and different websites to promote. Um, and then there's a really big issue going on with the International Agency for Research on Cancer which is a sub-agency of the World Health Organization. And we can talk about that if you want. That's a big, big issue. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, give us some background there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for anyone that that isn't familiar, IARC is this international cancer research body. And what they've done for the last 50 years is they review different substances for, for its, its ability to cause cancer. And they've done some truly ridiculous things in the last few years. I mean, they're, they're, this is the group that said red meat will cause cancer, um, working night shifts causes cancer, uh, certain kinds of hot tea cause cancer, uh, coffee causes cancer. They, they did reverse that one, but they did say that at one point too. Um, and so this, is, this group has kind of lost credibility over the years. And uh, in 2015, they put out what, what's called a monograph. For your, for your listeners that don't know. And they reviewed um, this chemical called glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup, the real popular weed killer. And uh, Reuters reported on this, but this organization had edited out studies of their monograph that didn't meet the conclusion that, that Roundup or glyphosate causes cancer. And so they're, they're deleting data. They're, the research that they do include, they're, they're misunderstanding, sometimes willfully it sounds like. And there are researchers uh, 
at least one that we know of for sure, who was involved in that IARC process, who is now consulting lawyers in California, where I am, who are suing Monsanto. And so I don't know about you, but that sounds like a tremendous conflict of interest to me. Cameron, let me take just a minute to remind people about the importance, especially for you men out there who are a mere 93% of the listening audience, of a good, close, comfortable shave. I used to get the worst, most bloody shaves. I would spend a fortune on razors and it didn't matter. But these days, I don't have to spend a fortune on razors and I'm not a bloody mess. I can tell you from personal experience, you get a nice, close shave that you've been looking for your whole life, convenience, and a great price. The founders of Harry's know that a great shave comes down to great blades made with sharp, durable steel that lasts. And if you don't love your shave, let Harry's know within 30 days and they'll give you a full refund. Well, they are giving you a $13 value trial set. Comes with everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. A weighted ergonomic handle, a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Listeners of my show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash woods. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash woods to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show. All right, let's talk about what exactly the political agenda of these groups is. I think they would say that all they want to do is bring about transparency for the public. They want the public to know that there's such and such ingredient in such and such product or this product is genetically modified and this one isn't. All they're trying to do is educate the public. What can you have against that? Certainly. And, and if that was really what they were after, then we'd all be on the same page. There'd be no argument to be had because everybody wants the public to understand this technology. So if you um, look up some of these researchers who are being attacked, they'll talk to you directly. They'll answer your messages on Twitter or Facebook. Um, my podcast is all about getting these people to communicate with, with just average people like me. And so we all want transparency, if you will. But the problem is these people are using transparency and you know your right to know, quote unquote, to, to create a scandal that just doesn't exist. But is there any of this going on outside of this narrow question of agriculture? I mean, surely they're doing this to people who have dissenting views on climate change, for example. Yeah. And I mean, in, in fairness to, to people in climatology, I think that has been really well defended. Um, I mean, you know, like if, you, if you're an oil company and you attack uh, a researcher in climatology because you don't like the results of your work, the media will pounce on you. And I'm sure I'm sure you're very familiar with this topic. Um, but it, but in this field, for whatever reason, the, some of these media outlets and, and uh, these environmental groups especially, they don't have any sympathy for science. And um, I know I had mentioned to you Naomi Oreskes, who is a historian at Harvard University. She's made a career out of defending climatologists uh, and so-called scientific consensus. But when it comes to this issue, for example, you know, consensus isn't that important to her. And she's a little more weary of technology. And she's even in, in favor of FOIA requests um, because she likes it, right? So it's just a strange case of hypocrisy because she is um, she's against FOIA requests when it comes to climatology, for example. But when it comes to this study, um, she's fine with it. She thinks, you know, these are, these are public employees. They really need to, um, you know, to open up their, their email account to let people see what's going on. And so you got to pick one or the other. You can't have, I'm for FOIA sometimes, I'm against it sometimes. I, I like consensus sometimes, not all the times. It, you know, it really destroys your argument. 
All right, I want to get from you the sense that this is an absolute bloody outrage, that these people, that, that what's being done to these people is just horrible. I want to hear the worst case you can throw at me, and I, I want to just walk away with my blood boiling with moral outrage. <laughs> well, I want you and your listeners, think of, think of the bigger picture here. So the, these people have a political agenda, and they are trying to diet deny you food choices right? They don't care what the science says. They don't care what your opinion is as a consumer. They want to push the government to enforce particular policies. And then think about this in the developing world. This is a really big deal. It's not just a matter of do I buy organic bananas or do I buy normal bananas for for 12 bucks versus eight bucks? I mean, this is a matter of um, can I feed my family this month? You know, And so in the developing world, they're trying to block this technology from being implemented and this, I mean, really is the difference between life and death in the third world. So that's a tremendous issue. Um, but but I had mentioned IARC a little bit earlier. I mean, that's a huge case of corruption. That's an international organization that taxpayers in America are on the hook for. Um, they've sucked something like $40 million out of out of taxpayers' pockets over, over the last few decades. And they're not even doing what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, it's clearly an, uh, an organization that's been infiltrated by a lot of these activist types. Um, and and I'll, I'll send you something for the show notes page. But I mean, this comes right out of the, the transcripts from um, the, the court cases against Monsanto. They have to admit this under oath. I mean, this is really, it's really terrible corruption and it's just not acceptable. I don't think anybody would be okay with it. You know what, speaking of uh, big picture, why don't you take a couple of minutes to explain what, you see as the correct way to think about these particular scientific issues and why you believe yours is the correct way. Because again, you're going to meet with quite a lot of resistance from a lot of quarters, including from a good chunk of my own listeners. Explain what the case is that that these scientists are trying to make and that you yourself would want to make. Sure. So the, the case in essence is that we're trying to develop technologies that make food safer, that make it cheaper and make it more affordable. Because as you know, the, the population around the world is exploding. It's not slowing down, especially as developing countries. Uh, and that's going to put pressure on food supplies. And so it really is uh, a matter of, of feeding the world. And then personally, just, and this isn't necessarily a scientific point, but just as a consumer, as someone who wants to be able to provide for my family, I find it extremely irritating that there's all this scaremongering and uh, all this fear around technology that is really safe um, and, and has been tremendously effective. And so that's why I'm involved in this project. But to the, to the scientific question, I mean, really, just go go look at the science. And if people have questions, they can email me. I'm glad to chat. Um, if, if there's anything in particular they want to know about, I can put them in touch with experts. But there's just nothing to be afraid of. You know, I mean, there's no there's no conspiracy being hidden. Couldn't somebody say that at the very least, though, perhaps we ought to be agnostic about it, given that we have relatively, you know, in the geologically speaking, very little experience with it so far? Yes, absolutely. And, and if someone is new to this topic, if you jump on Google or you're, you know, you're just trying to learn for the first time, then yes, I think you should go on with a mindset and say, okay, I want to be, uh, I want to be shown the facts. I want to know that this is safe. And if you go in with an approach like that, with an open mind, of course, but just with your guard up, I think I think you'll be convinced. You know, if you go into it like these groups do that we're that we're documenting, and you're looking for a conspiracy and you're looking for malfeasance, you're going to find it because that's what you want. But 
if you go in looking just at the data and you ask questions, I think you're going to come out realizing, you know, this technology really isn't harmful and it, it's, it's really a boon for everybody. When you say that the third world depends on it, give me some specifics. Yeah, well, especially in uh, in Africa, for example. I mean, we have cases where there are staple crops that people people live on um, that are that are very very susceptible to to different diseases, uh, different viruses, um, and then they have they have no recourse, right? They have to try and plant them, and then the crops get destroyed, and then they can't produce any food. So, if they're trying to bring it to market, they can't make a living, and if they're just trying to feed themselves, I mean, then they are they're literally dying. And so this happens, there's dozens and dozens of examples. I'll give you some to link to, but these groups are blocking the technology. I mean, it's, it's a tremendous, tremendous problem. And I, again, I, I just don't think it's, it's okay. We can't stand by and allow that to happen. You've just launched deniersforhire.com. So it's got some good information on it in terms of, you know, it's got a lot of stuff on it, but it could have a lot more. What are your ambitions for this project? We are going to keep going after people who who wrongly attack scientists and people who put out conspiracy theories around these 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 topics um, and it, it's just not going to stop as far as I can see until this you know this I guess this counterinsurgency or, or whatever you want to call it this this anti-science movement really dies down I, I just don't think we're gonna stop because there's a ton of money behind this I mean you have groups like Greenpeace who are hardly fans of humanity, if you want to put it that way, you know, they're always afraid of technology. And so they're always fighting against this stuff. And so it really does need a pushback from, from scientists and from people like me and, and even people in your audience. Well, I'm going to, of course, link to deniersforhire.com at tomwoods.com slash 1174. I'll put your Twitter up. It looks like you're pretty active on Twitter. So we'll, we'll get you up there. Um, what's your Twitter handle? It's Cam J English. Cam J English. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's your Twitter. Uh, you don't actually want to give your email address out to the audience. I can't imagine you want that. Is that is that what you're saying you want to do? Well, I I don't know. You made it sound like people might try to uh, hunt no, me down. So <laughs> it's, no, it's not like they're going to do anything bad. It's just you're going to hear from a lot of people. <laughs> I don't mean that. Yeah. No, I, I don't mean they're going to you know use it to find out where you live or anything. I just right. mean you're going to get a bump you know a bombardment of of emails. Sure, I'm I'm half joking. If they go to my website, it's CameronJEnglish.net. You can email me through there, and um, if you go to the website, you can see my podcast. It's uh, it's called Cameron Talk Science, and again, it's just me talking to to experts in different fields. I actually, had Mary Ruart on um, over the weekend, so I'm going to put that one up pretty soon. Great, great, great. Yeah, she's she's really tremendous. Okay, well, best of luck with the project, and uh, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you, Tom. All right, folks, a few things to tell you. If you're not on my email list yet, boy, man, have you missed out on some great emails. And this is stuff I don't talk about on the show. I don't publish all the time. It's not in any big outlet. It's just for people who say, you know, I think Woods is doing something valuable and I want to hear from him. Those are the people I write to. And you can hop on my list and get a free book at the same time at tomsfreebooks.com. There are actually two lists I have. One is my libertarian list. That's the one people talk about. And then the other one is my like online entrepreneurship list. You can see at tomsfreebooks.com how to get on one or both of those. So definitely do that. If you were on it, you would already know something that's coming up next week. Tomorrow, I'm going to be talking to the creator of Minds.com, which is a very important site. But then next week, first episode is going to be on Karl Marx and the key argument against his system. It may not be the flashiest argument, 
but it's the most devastating one. There's no coming back from it. It's not just a matter of saying, well, the workers have actually gotten better off than you predicted they would be. It's way, way beyond that. So we're going to be talking about that first. Then we're going to talk about Martha Stewart and insider trading, because there's been some talk about Trump pardoning Martha Stewart, and I have not yet done an episode on insider trading. And what should we think about insider trading? Is it something that should be criminalized or not? So we're going to do that. John Tamney of Real Clear Markets is going to come back on because he has a brand new book called The End of Work. And we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about robots. And should you really be worried about robots? Are robots going to be bad for society? Then Guido Holzman comes back on the show. We're going to talk about the cultural, spiritual, and political effects of fiat money inflation. Even when price inflation is relatively low, as it is these days, doesn't matter because a little bit each year accumulates and it actually seeps into society. It, it doesn't just stay confined to the economy. It seeps into society in ways a lot of us don't realize. And you'll see that in that episode. And then rounding out the week, uh, Stefan Molyneux and I will be talking about college. You think, ah, I've heard Woods talk about college. Not like this, you haven't. <laughs> it's fun. And in the words of somebody who's heard the interview, Every other line is quotable. Yeah, I love that. I appreciate that very kind remark. So such great stuff coming up. So do please subscribe, tomwoods.com slash iTunes. You got to click open in iTunes and then subscribe. Uh, tell your friends about the show. You know, put a lot of work into preparing it. And I'd like to have as many people listening to it as possible because I think it can do some good. So please tell your friends about it. Share the episodes. You're really, really going to warm my heart if you do that. All right, see you tomorrow. Become a smarter libertarian in just 30 minutes a day. Visit TomWoods.com to subscribe to the show for free, and we'll see you next time.